Amen. Children, you can be dismissed to young disciples this morning. As they are, take your Bibles. We're going back into the book of Genesis, chapter 37, looking at the life lessons of Joseph. The scripture is so good to not only give us accurate historical record of the life and times of people in scripture and in history, but it's also a beautiful way, it has a beautiful way through the power of the Holy Spirit to, to lift out to us timeless lessons, things that are just uh, applicable to the human condition, whether thousands of years ago or whether today, the scripture has true words that are life to us, that are spoken into our spirit, and I hope that recently you've had the opportunity to be in God's word and have a time where the word has said something to you personally and not just become an informational book but has become a a book that's given you life and spoken a word of encouragement and life to you that's the beauty of God's uh, inspired word and so from the life of Joseph this morning we're going to ask the Lord through his word to draw out for us lessons if you will or pointers or help or encouragement from the life that Joseph led and the decisions that Joseph made and the way he conducted his life to speak into our lives and to to challenge us this morning. So as you're turning to Genesis 37, um, we have been seeing in the life of Joseph that uh, life has detours. Life has detours, just like roads have detours. I was on another one yesterday. I won't tell you the story, but you know, it, it seems like, you know, uh, when you're speaking or teaching or preaching on something, the Lord has these, this, these interesting ways to just remind you of some of these things in the natural. And so I was on a, a detour yesterday as well uh, in my car. But uh, uh, it's a way of reminding us, and we see this in the life of Joseph, that life has a detour, uh, sometimes more than one in our life, where we're headed on a certain road and we think life should be a certain way, We've made certain plans, we've gotten prepared in certain ways for life to play out in certain ways, and life does not. Life does not. Choices and situations and circumstances and health-related issues and finances and marital situations sometimes take us on a detour that wasn't planned. After all, outside of AAA, are detours ever planned? No, not really. And so early on in, in uh, Joseph's life, we see that Joseph indeed had expectations and dreams, in fact, literal dreams. And we see those in verses 9 and verses 7 there in chapter 37, that Joseph had some pretty vivid dreams that God was going to use eventually in his life to do a great work, not only for he and his family, but for the entire nation. And God planted the direction for Joseph's life in these dreams that this young man, Joseph, of age 17, was having. And so God had his hand on dreams. Now, not every dream that we have is from the Lord, but some dreams and some expectations and hopes 
he does place within us, and they are from him. And Joseph indeed experienced that, and we can too, that God does plant within us dreams, hopes, and desires that are to bring attention to his glory, and they are to bring attention to his story. They are not for us, but they are for him. And so God gives these dreams, but I reminded us last week, and from this point we'll move on, that God's not only in the dream and the expectation and the plan, but God is also in the detour. That's amazing to think about. Because oftentimes we can associate detours with bad choices. Maybe things that we've brought upon ourselves because of things that we've done or choices that we've made. And it's taken us on this route that we never intended to make. And so we might be tempted to think, you know, how could God be in a bad decision that I've made? Let me just say, it's grace. It's grace. God may not be approving of the decision or the choice. He might not even be approving of of the pathway that you're on, but because he's a God of grace, his hand can be on and often is on the detour as well as on the pathway. Last week we saw how that Joseph's test, he was tested on this detour, and the test was the test of pride, and and we, we see that Joseph did not pass that test. And the beautiful thing about the test that God brings into our life to work in our life through If we don't do so well on the test, he doesn't derail us. He continues to work with us. He continues to to help us, to shape us, to mold us, to speak to us. Even when we fail the test, he, he has a way of bringing the opportunity in a different form around to us again. And he says, now, how's your heart now? Are you ready now to obey? Are you ready now to yield? Are you ready now to come my way? And he gives us, by his grace, that opportunity once again. In our text, we're going to start by looking at verse 12, if you'll go down to verse 12. And I'm going to read several verses, so I ask you to bear with me as we kind of look through the text here this morning. And um, in our text, as Joseph is meditating and caught up in these dreams that God has given him, and he's probably ready in his young life to, to turn the corner and see those dreams take place. You know, and he wasn't even in a technological culture or a microwave culture. He was in a, a longer road type culture. But I'm sure in his youthfulness, when, when God revealed these dreams to him, I, I think he might have thought maybe by my 18th birthday, something's going to transpire. I'm going to see the evidence of these dreams. Isn't that kind of how we are, our human nature is? When we have a hope or an expectation or a dream or something that God's planted in our heart, we're just, we're just so modern in that we just think, okay, within the next six months I'm going to see this. Or tomorrow I'm going to see this. Or certainly within a year's time or two years' time, I'm going to see this come to pass within my life because after all, I, I, I had a dream about it. I, I have a hope. I have an expectation. And isn't it true, and you can nod your head if you agree, isn't it true that sometimes God specializes on the longer road rather than the shorter road? It's so true. But here, Joseph is probably meditating on these dreams, and he's ready for them to come to pass. And yet, God, again, prepares a detour. He prepares a test for Joseph. 
And I'd like to start reading with verse 12, and we're going to read clear through verse 24. So stay with me as I read through this story. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I'm going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to him, Go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks, and bring word back to me. Then he sent him off to the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, What are you looking for? He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? Well, they have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the desert, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. The Joseph story continues to open up and unfold to us. Joseph, highly favored, the youngest son, wearing that wonderfully bright, beautiful robe, standing out tall as the favored son, filled with himself, arrogant, the one who has received the dreams. After all, had the brothers dreamed such dreams? Well, no. Certainly Joseph had some high position, not only in his father's eyes, but certainly in the eyes of God, because God had given him these these dreams where he would be exalted and the others would be bowing down to him. This Joseph is sent by his father Jacob to see his brothers, to see if everything was well. And I'm wondering if it was in Jacob's heart, because he knew of this animosity that existed in his family, if he had sent Joseph out to try to warm things up, to try to cause the family to to put aside some of the differences, for some of the hatred to be set aside, and for, for Joseph to find a little bit more acceptance with his brothers. And so Jacob decides to send Joseph out. And in verse 18, if you look down with me, it says there, but they saw him in the distance, they being Joseph's brothers. And before he reached them, they had it in their hearts, they had it in their minds, they had a plot going, they were going to kill him. How in the world, at a distance, in a desert, could you see a man coming? I think it was that coat. 
You think about the desert and you think about the, at least what we know, portrayed for us, the earth tone colors that are chosen for tunics and robes and the like. And certainly in this nomadic culture, people were pretty, pretty modestly and also pretty blandly dressed. And yet, at a distance, here are these brothers out with the sheep, and they're tending to the sheep, and they look off in the distance, and they see red and green and yellow and purple and and every color under the rainbow, and oh no, we know who that is. And so, they begin to plot and decide, here we are in this remote area, away from our father Jacob, This would be a prime and opportune time to take this little, arrogant, bratty brother of ours who keeps shoving these dreams into our face and let's just put an end to it out here. And if you go on in the story, which we won't read this morning, they had a whole plot in which they would take this tunic, this this beautiful coat, and they would dip it in animal blood and they would return it to the father. And then, without saying anything surmise or help the father kind of draw the wrong conclusion that a ferocious animal had taken the life of his favorite son. So the brother's hatred in verses 19 through 20 begins to stir up and surfaces. And God bless Reuben and God bless Judah in this story because they thwart the murder plot and they instead just recommend, let's just put him in a cistern. What in the world is a cistern? A cistern is a pit. A cistern is a place to gather water. But remember, we're in a desert setting, so the existence of water in this cistern was probably not very likely. So this was a very dry, cavernous, deep, dark, slimy, miry kind of place. And it was probably void of water, and because it was, it was customary for people groups who traveled in that area to exchange slaves in cisterns, to drop a slave into a cistern, and then do business to to sell that slave, and then remove, then the, the new slave owner would remove the slave from the cistern. So it was a place for slaves to be held. And so what do they do? They throw Joseph into this place. What a shock. I'm sure Joseph thought, what in the world? Everything was going so well. My father thought the world of me. I have these dreams from God, so certainly God's stamp of approval is on my life. He thinks I'm all that in a bag of chips. And here now, I'm in this place. Those evil, hateful, vengeful brothers of mine. How dare they put God's man in the pit. I'm sure he was shocked. Everything had been going so well for him. Seemingly, Joseph is moving not closer to this dream. He's moving further and further away. His brothers aren't bowing down to him. His brothers are apprehending him and throwing him into a pit. He's in this pit because of their hands. Just as with Joseph, sometimes we go through a pit detour in our life. When things are going smoothly, everything's working, everyone's healthy, life is fine, relationships are good, we're moving in the right direction, 
God's destination seems like it's right in front of us. And all of a sudden, some other person, so we think, grabs us and throws us into a detour, into a place that we would have never chose on our own, that our decisions would have never taken us there. The same happened for Joseph. The question isn't, am I going to fall into a pit? The question is, are we going to stay there forever? I wonder if Joseph was thinking that. How long am I going to remain here in this pit? Because his brothers had no intention on bringing him out. In fact, if you read on in the passage, they sit down and have a meal. It's like, Joseph's in the pit, where's lunch? Maybe Joseph had even brought that lunch. And Joseph's in this deep pit, and he probably hears out there at the picnic table, his brothers are just enjoying lunch as if to say, over and done with, we are rid of him. Let's have a party. Let's get something to eat. And so Joseph must have been thinking, how long am I going to be here? Hours? Days? Weeks? Months? Will I die here? Is this the final destination? How in the world could the dream that God had given me come to pass if I'm here and if I'm in this pit? It's important for us to understand because this whole idea of a pit also affects us. There are times in our lives where we are derailed, detoured, and and sometimes feel like we're in such a place as a pit. It's important to know how, not only how we get there, but I want to talk to you this morning a little bit about how God uses these times and then brings us out. According to John 16.33, Jesus says these words, In this world you may have tribulation. Right? I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will. In this world you will have tribulation. You'll have troubles. You'll have pits. Now you may have jumped into one or somebody may have thrown you into one. But in this world life is filled with these experiences. Expect them. Know that they're there. It's the effect of our sinful nature and our sinful world that these opportunities and times come where we fall into a dark place. We come into a place where someone or we ourselves have placed ourselves in a pit. It's the effect of sin. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to find trouble. There's going to be problems. The effects of sin are going to come upon you and affect your life. So pits can be a part of life, but you can also be thrown into one, just as Joseph experienced, for they hated him. Sometimes we can look at the hard times and the difficult things that we're in, and we can look out of the pit into the faces of our brothers. We can look into the faces of others that we believe are the reason why we're here. It was their fault. We're very good at this in this culture, blaming other people. We are the victim of other people's decisions and other people's choices. The trouble that we're having in life is because of him, her, them. 
that job that I have, those parents that raised me, that situation that happened to me when I was young. And we begin to point and say, we're just victims. We've just been thrown into the pit by someone else. And let me just say that there are people, and maybe you know some of them, maybe you're one where people live for, for years in this place, where because someone else has involuntarily put them there, that's where they stay. They're never rescued from that pit, and they define their life now by it. Joseph could have done that. He could have looked and thought, well, I'm here by no choice of my own. I didn't come close to the edge and slip in. I didn't jump in on my own. It was, it was my brothers. It was them. Even if the sins of others have put you into a pit, you are the only one who can take responsibility to get out of it. Just want to encourage you today, and we all have a tendency to do this, is to hang our troubles on the shelf of someone else's living room. It's, it's, it's them. And you know what? Let me just say to you this morning, it may have been them, but once Joseph was in that pit, he had to get it together in his own heart. He had to get it together in his own heart. He had to resolve some things in his own heart through forgiveness and, and other things that we'll see played out in his life. It wasn't any longer, brothers, get over here and get me out. First of all, he wasn't going to do that. Second of all, they would have no intention on helping him out. Those people that you feel or those circumstances that you feel have been responsible for putting you in the pit, they're not coming to get you out. The responsibility lies with you and with me. It's true that Joseph's brothers had an evil attitude that prompted them to throw Joseph in the pit, but Remember, Joseph also had an attitude. Remember? He had a toot himself. It was that pride thing. It was that arrogance thing that still gripped him. And so he was not only there in the pit because of his brother's hatred, but he was there because God had an appointment to keep with Joseph. And he decided the location of the appointment would be the pit. Wouldn't you really like God to choose another meeting place? Couldn't we just get together at Starbucks? Couldn't we just, you know, talk in my living room? Couldn't we just have this comfortable conversation, God? But you know what? God knows us so well. Because what he does is he takes us to a place where we're not sufficient on our own. We're not dependent on our own. We don't have the answer on our own. We can't fix it on our own. And he says, that's where I want to meet you. That's the place I want to meet you in, Joseph. Without your fancy coat, without your fancy dreams, I'm going to meet you there in that miry, dark place because you and I have an appointment and we have some business to do there. Joseph's pride was demonstrated in the coat that he wore and the attitude that he had and the dreams that he just kept shoving in his brother's face and you see, Joseph had a responsibility for also being where he was, just like his brothers did as well. I don't know about you, but when I was in Sunday school as a kid and we heard the Joseph story, it was always those bad, bad brothers. You know, how dare they? They did a horrible thing to Joseph. I never really thought much about what was going on in the heart of Joseph, though. 
And really, God used those brothers to get to Joseph's heart. He needed to do something in Joseph's heart on this detour to get him ready for what lied ahead. You see, you can't change the ones whose hands may have put you in the pit, but you can change the life of the one who is in the pit. You can't change who put you there, but you can change your heart. You can allow God to work inside of your heart and be changed in your heart, just as Joseph was. Joseph was only in this pit a short time, but we can live days, we can live months, we can live weeks, we can live years, we can live lifetimes in a pit. Let me just encourage you today, if you find yourself in this place, on this detour in your own life, please do not paint the walls, do not hang up pictures, do not get carpet installed, do not run plumbing and electricity. Don't stay there. Joseph's destination was not the pit. Joseph's place of meeting God was in the pit so that God could then lead him on. My friend, when we get into places that are dark and miry, whether we've jumped there into that place or whether we've been placed there by others, don't make it a permanent residence. Don't live there for long periods of time because it will sour your soul. It will ruin you. It will take you down. It will cause despair that will run deep in you. And Joseph could have had that happen to him if he wouldn't have met God in that pit. You might say, I'm looking at these verses, Pastor Cindy, and I don't see an entrance from God here. I don't see like a light from heaven. I don't hear a voice. There's no indication here that God came in a real tangible way and visited with Joseph there. Turn over to chapter 39. I want to read you two verses. And these are verses of indication. In other words, there's something that we can observe about Joseph as he walks into Potiphar's palace that help us see what kind of a young man he was at this point. 39, 2 and 3. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered and he lived in the house of of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendants, and so on and so forth there. There's proof, my friend, that in that time that Joseph was down in that miry, dark place, maybe on his knees, maybe laying before the Lord, whatever his condition was there, he basically said, I humble myself before you in this place. It's not about me. It's not about what I have or what I've been given. It's not about what my father thinks of me. It's not about even what my brothers think of me. It's not even about the dreams that you've given me, Lord. It's about my heart. It's about my heart. And there's evidence there that in that moment when he was in that dark place, he humbled himself. He brought himself to a place of humility before the Lord. My friends, there are purposes in detours in our lives. The main purpose is this, for you to cry out to God. 
We're going to finish in Psalm 40. If you'll take your Bibles and switch over to Psalm 40, we're going to finish the message there this morning. A Psalm of David, but I believe it captures the experience of Joseph. And more than this, for us today, it kind of teaches us the whole process and uh, steps, if you will, to find your way out of a, a pit. Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord, verse 1. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. What is the key? Verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and heard my cry. How is it that you and I can find ourselves able to get out of a dark place, a pit, a difficult season in our life? How, how do we find our way out? We don't find our way out. We don't create a stairwell. We don't cry to the people that might be outside, oh, please come and help us. It's not up to us to get ourselves out, but it is up to us to cry unto the Lord. Crying unto the Lord is an evidence of our humility, but it's God. Notice he says in verse 2, he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. It's the Lord. He's the one that hears our cry. He's the responder, but we must cry. We must humble ourselves and say, there's no other way out of this place besides you. And we're so good at trying to find other ways out. We're so good at trying to be dependent on ourselves to get out. We're so good at calling on other people to try to get us out. And the Lord says, no, call upon me. Cry out to me. I'm the one with the long arm and the righteous right hand. I'm the lifter of your head. I'm the lifter of your life out of this place. Something happened to Joseph in that pit. Somewhere in that pit, Joseph must have taken responsibility for his own failures. Somewhere in that pit, Joseph must have cried out to God in true humility. Somewhere he knelt down, and somewhere he said, God, I need you to forgive me. I admit I've been filled with pride in myself, and I ask you to do a work in my heart. You see, that pit that day was God's in God's mind. It was God's detour. God allowed his brothers to put him there, but it was a place of appointment for Joseph. And pits in our lives can be places of appointment with God for us as well. When we're on that detour, when we're in that pit, God is there in the detour with us, and he's calling out to us to say to us, 
cry out to me. Call upon me. Look up for my righteous right arm and my right hand because my arm is there to rescue. I am the deliverer. We sang it this morning. He's our deliverer. He's the one that comes to rescue us and remove us. But he will only come when we cry. He will only come when we humble ourselves. He will only come when we give up our own self to him. And then he's ready to save. He's anxious to save. And we can take his hand. As we close this morning, a life lesson from Joseph is this. Pits and detours have God's hand all over it. Do you see his hand? Do you recognize his involvement in the things in your life that seem to be detours? They are only detours by your perception. They are part of the path from God's perspective. And he has a lesson for us on those detours. Are we willing to learn? Are we willing to recognize? Are we willing to obey? Let's pray. Father, I'm sure Joseph didn't like it that day that he was apprehended and thrown into that dark place. And Lord, there are times where our life takes detours and we don't like it either, Lord. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name today that we will recognize you, Lord, not only on the pathway of our life, but on those detours. And not only may we see you, but may we hear your voice when you say, humble yourself before me. Cry out to me. Don't depend on yourself. Don't look to others to rescue you from this place. I have a reason. I have a cause. Cry out to me. Humble yourself before me. Allow me to do the rescuing. Allow me to do the teaching. Allow me to work in your heart and in your life. Release your pride to me, and I will be your deliverer. Lord, I pray for us in this room because, Lord, some of us are in such a place. And, Lord, some of us, as we move through life, we may be in such a place. And so regardless, Lord, may we see these places as places where your voice is heard, where your hand is seen, and where you're looking for us to bow our knee in humility before you and cry out to you in full dependence, for then you alone can rescue, you alone can save. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.